It is good to be with you today. Uh, I did share, I think, yes, here last time, um, one of my practices each year is to pick a word or to have a word that I focus on for the whole year. Actually, what I started doing a few years ago is I write it on a, either print it or write it on a card and insert it into my, into my dash of the truck, usually it's a post-it note, um, and to have it the, the year and then the word. And this year's word is, I'm curious, how many of y'all remember which, what the, what's my word for this year? There's a clue on the screen. Uh, not hope. Watch. It got us watch, right? Some of you were paying attention last time. Okay, that's good though. Watch is the word, not this kind of watch, but watching, being alert, looking for what God's doing. Um, but I was concerned. I'd, I normally like to have a word and a verse that goes with it. And the only verse I found until a few weeks ago was more of a negative connotation to watch. Is Jesus what Jesus told the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, Matthew 26, 41, uh, where they, they were supposed to be praying while he was praying and the night before he was, arre- the night he was arrested and they fell asleep, right? So Jesus comes, wakes them up, says, can you not watch with me, watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Now, that's a great verse. Actually, that's our text next week, in case you want to mark that down. But that's not really what I was hoping for. But found the verse, and it's our text today. It's Micah 7, 7. Uh, admittedly, I don't spend a whole lot of time in Micah. But did find that verse. We're going to be reading it together in just a minute. But uh, that's our focus today. Um, and again, it's amazing. Just watch. Pay attention. Uh, watch. I got to use the word. Um, pay attention to the rest of the service. There are going to be a few things happening if we're paying attention that you'll think, oh, that's a coincidence. There are no coincidences. I'm not going to, I'll tell you a little bit later. But um, it's amazing how the Lord puts a worship service together when we don't talk about it. And then he puts it together. I'll go ahead and tell you. Um, We were talking earlier about the, the songs in the service. The invitation hymn is Solid Rock. And when I heard that, I thought, wait a minute. I had to remind myself. I went back looking at my notes. I'm quoting the whole hymn in the sermon. Okay? So, Solid Rock is your hymn for today. Okay? You need to pay attention to those words. And there's more. But uh, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do as we trust Him in this time together. Before we start, though, I do want us to pray specifically for two brothers. Um, uh, don't always do this, but uh, sometimes it seems like, and you'll, if you're old as old as I am, you'll notice, sometimes it seems like needs pile up. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? If somebody, you, somebody has a problem. Somebody has a sickness. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Jim Shaddix. Dr. Shaddix is professor of preaching at Southeastern Seminary. I believe one of the best preachers we have in Southern Baptist life today. Um, uh, precious brother, good friend. Um, he was with us, spoke at our at our our uh, uh, pastors retreat last October up at Caraway. Um, after Thanksgiving, the story was family shared that he was. Um, starting to have some odd symptoms. Actually, at that retreat in October, he and his wife had both had COVID, and he just said that he was struggling to come back from it. Now, I didn't think anything about it then, but between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the symptoms started getting worse until the week after, well, what week after Christmas? Two weeks, three weeks ago, um, he started having stroke-like symptoms. So I took him to the hospital in, in Raleigh, and... Um, uh, ends up after scans, et cetera, there were three tumors on his brain. Um, and uh, glioblastoma is the diagnosis, which is a very aggressive, serious brain cancer. My mother had that. Um, and I, I was just, Carl and I were both overwhelmed with that news. 
He's had two brain surgeries now. All the masses have been removed, but now he's getting ready to start. He's going to rehab and then chemo and radiation. So but I just want you to pray, if you would. We're going to pray in a moment, but put him on your list, if you would. Uh, Jim Shaddix and his wife, Deborah, um, up in, in the Raleigh area. Cary, not Cary, Wake Forest, Raleigh. Uh, and then, the week after all that started happening with Jim, a good friend and, and fellow pastor and leader, Marcus Redding, some of you may know some of these names, Marcus uh, pastors up in Lincoln County, but also works with the North American Mission Board in, in their online training resource that uh, NAM has for us. And we just had breakfast last month talking about doing more work together, et cetera. I started getting sick about two weeks ago and then went to the hospital, I mean violently sick, went to the hospital and there's a mass on his pancreas. Um, and um, they've been doing work just to try to get so he can eat and keep things down. He hadn't been able to do that for two weeks. So Marcus Redding and his wife Chrissy. So those two couples really want us to lift up today, faithful servants of the Lord, uh, good friends, but they're just in a hard place right now. And to be very transparent, this sermon today is for Bob in the midst of all that. Okay? Me. Okay? Uh, and you get to hear it too. Okay? So, um, and it's very, very, very good news. It's just news we need to hear sometimes when things are hard. So, let's pause and ask God to work in Jim and Mark's life especially today. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship. We each lift up to you, Lord, special needs that we know about today. We've already done that once. But, Lord, I just want to come in these moments, ask you to work, Lord, in a significant, supernatural way in the body of my friend Jim, the body of my friend Marcus. Lord, uh, these, both, these men are both faithful servants of yours. They love you, Lord, with all their hearts. Their personalities, their attitudes, their ministries demonstrate that love. So Lord, I just pray today you'll encourage them both. Work in both their bodies and lives, Lord, in a way that shows that you're still able to work and heal and bless. Lord, help their wives, Deborah and Chrissy, as they're standing alongside their husbands in these difficult times. Lord, thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. And thank you that no matter what, no matter what, we find our hope in you, our strength in you, our life in you. God, and as I say that in prayer, Lord, I think about the millions of people around us that have no clue about this amazing grace and hope that we know in Jesus' name. So today, speak to us about this hope. Help us to be on watch for hope, Lord. Alert to how you will show us your way today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. All right. Today, we're starting a series of three messages on the word watch, okay? We're going to, hey, if I'm into it this year, you're going to get to share in it, okay? Today's the positive word, and our text is is, uh, Micah 7-7. We're going to read that in a few minutes. Um, It's a positive word, watch. Watch is also a protecting word. That's the message for next week. That's where Matthew 26-41 comes in, okay? So you can jot that one down, read it, be praying about it as we get ready for next Sunday, Matthew 26-41. And then when I'm back next, which will be a few weeks after that, 
We're going to look at watch as a word of potential, and specifically potential in way of and in, in the needs of missions and evangelism, uh, how God's called us to make a difference in the world by making disciples. That's the Great Commission. So and that text will be, one of the texts will be John 4, 38. I'm not going to read all those now. That's just a little, little tease to get you ready for the next messages coming. But first, today, we're going to consider Micah 7, 7, and what God's prophet had to say to God's people, including us about hope. But first, Jesus said, Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, Jesus said, and all these things, the clothing, the food, the other needs that the disciples were concerned about, all these things will be provided for you. So don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus said, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And here's that line I quote at least once a month. Every day, has enough trouble of its own. And all God's people said, it does. I mean, every day, if you hadn't noticed yet, just open your eyes this week. Watch, okay? Every day has enough trouble of its own. That's the lesson most of us have learned. But what do we do? What do we do in the troublesome days we face? How can we really handle them? Uh, Just stating that reality, pop that next slide up there, and here's a truth we have to acknowledge. We're hungry for hope. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this. I mean, I am. I know you are. Now, in Jesus, we have the hope we need. We're We're talking about that today. But as we talk about that, we've already mentioned it, but think about it. Think about the people around us that don't know Jesus, don't know who God is, don't have a relationship with him, doesn't know his work in their life, I can't imagine how people that don't know Jesus handle one single day. It could be even a good day, you know? But let one bad thing happen. How, how does the lost world handle it? I was wondering why drugs and alcohol are such an issue. Well, there's so, so much crime goes on. People trying to get out of the trouble they're in or struggle they're facing. But it's, it, 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 it's, we're hungry for hope. We know where to go. They don't. That's one, we'll talk about that in the third message specifically, but it's coming up today too. Why? Because we've got to be about it, folks, daily, opening our eyes to what God needs to do in the lives of those that need the hope that we know. But let's keep asking the questions for ourselves though today, okay? We're hungry for hope. So where do we turn? Of course, this is a rhetorical question, so hang on with me, okay? Where do we turn in the challenges that come our way? Who can we trust day by day, no matter what? We all need a source of hope. We all need someone we can depend on in all our days. We've already talked about it today. We've already sung about it today. We've already mentioned it today. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our hope. There is no other source. He's the hope we need. Psalm 31, 24 says, Be strong and take heart, all you who, what? Hope in the Lord. He's our hope. That leads us to our text for today. And I was so excited when I found this um, after wrestling for a watch text for the year, okay? Micah 7, 7. Here's what it says in the New American Standard. But as for me, there he's on the screen. As for, as for me, I will be on the watch for the Lord. Actually, this is from the New American Standard 2020, Okay. The New American Standard 95, there are all kinds of new translations. They're good, okay? The New American Standard 95 says, I'll be, I will be on watch expectantly for the Lord. Still good. 
I will wait for the God of my salvation. There's that last five word line. My God will hear me. Do we believe that? Really? Do we believe that? Okay, let's pray and ask the Lord to apply this to our hearts today and then we're going to go further. Lord Jesus, head of the church, may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path today. Opening our eyes to your light, to your love, to your grace, and to the hope that we can cherish and share. Thank you for meeting with us, Lord, in these moments. Amen. Amen. The NIV puts the first phrase of that verse this way. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. Now, if you go to Micah, like we encourage you normally to do this. I normally don't just use one verse. It's intentional. But I'm going to give you a little glimpse at the context. It's not good. Okay. Micah wrote his prophecy inspired of the Holy Spirit to Israel facing the judgment of God. Severe judgment of God. And in the midst of that overwhelming prediction of destruction, Micah gives Israel, gives God's people, hope and consolation for those who would turn afresh to the Lord in those days of judgment. Now, we have an opportunity today to turn afresh to God in repentance, embracing the hope that Jesus makes possible. Now, let me, let me unpack that just a minute, though. <clears throat> I just said... We have an opportunity to turn afresh to God in repentance, okay? In the church I served up in the mountains, uh, I really was convicted, actually similar to these times in my own heart. <clears throat> and um, uh, we, I, did a, so I did a sermon series, five sermons on repentance. And after the, see, the second or third sermon, our deacon chairman, I don't think he was trying to be funny, but after the service he came out and said, Pastor Bob, you think we've heard enough about, about repentance yet? And my response was, obviously not. Come back next week for more, right? We did two more weeks. Repentance, folks, isn't, people act like repentance is a negative word or something you just do one time. Good grief. I have to repent every day. If we're alert to what God's doing in and around us, folks, repentance is a daily attitude. Repentance is all about going my way. And when I sense God's leadership, I turn to go his way. That's repentance. And it's one of the most positive words in Scripture. So we have the opportunity to turn from our way to God's way, to go God's way, and to see what he can do with the hope he can provide as we stay focused on the Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But today, how can we live out the hope that's readily available to us? Like a good Baptist preacher, I've got three points today. And a couple poems mixed in, okay? But, but three points. So if you're writing anything down, here are the three points on how we discover, how we can have the hope that we need. First point, first truth, hope results from keeping our eyes on the Lord. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, it's awfully simple. Yes, it is. Children can understand this. So adult children, I'm one of you, okay? Let's get a hold on what God's saying to us in his word today. Everyone around us may be focusing on the problems, the struggles, the issues. It's awfully easy, trust me, I know, to let the circumstances around us get our attention. But if we want to live in hope, if we want to live in hope, we must keep our eyes on the Lord. Have to. What's he doing? Henry Blackaby, our, our brother in Georgia, is the one who says it, said it in experience of God, says it still. 
Watch for what God's doing around you and join him in his work, okay? So what is God doing around us today? What does he say about your problems? Good question. That's one reason why we spend time in the scripture. If you've got an issue, he's probably got something you can find in the word that's going to help you deal with that issue. What's he able to do when you face a problem you can't figure out? Folks, he's able to do anything that needs to be done. Far beyond what we can ask or think, according to Ephesians 3. As for me, then, this is a personal choice. As for me, I will watch for the Lord. And as for me, my hope is in the Lord. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do all things. All things are possible. You will find hope in those words. Count on them, mark them down, underline them, highlight them, put stars beside them, remember them. Remember them. Hope results from keeping our eyes on the Lord. Satan is good at doing all kinds of things, but there are two primary things he'll do, mark this down, to get your eyes off the Lord. He'll do something to distract you or do something to discourage you. He uses those two tools All the time. I've experienced both of them this past week. Just being honest. And it's easy to take my eyes off the Lord and say, ugh, look at this situation I'm wrestling with. Have you ever seen what people do? (laughs) It's just one of our lines in our office. I'm just inside association office humor. When things come up, problems happen. Yes, we work with 150 churches, okay? One of our standard lines is people. If it wasn't for people, then none of us would be here, right? It's a moot point. But the point is, what are we going to do if we get discouraged, we get distracted? Put your eyes back on the Lord. Know the hope that he can provide. Now, here's where one of the God things happened this week. I was looking for something to put at this point in the message that would really point to this point, emphasize this point. And I came across... Edward Mote, who was a Baptist pastor in England, born in 1797. Anybody here born in 1797? One hand? Yeah, I see one hand. Okay, two. Good, okay. All right. I'm joking, okay? But Mote pastored Rehoboth Baptist Church for 26 years, is gifted hymn writer and pastor. He said, direct quote from Brother Mote, One morning it came to my mind as I went to labor to write a hymn on the gracious experience of a Christian. And here's what he wrote. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope, there it is, and stay. And then the last verse, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Yes, you're going to sing that as our invitation hymn this morning. 
We didn't plan it, but the Lord did. He is our solid rock. He is our hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Mark it down, underline it. That's our hope in Jesus. Hope results from keeping our eyes on the Lord. So the question then is, as we get to this point, are you keeping your eyes on the Lord today? Now, no, this is a daily issue, okay? You may do fine today, but let tomorrow happen, or you get up on the wrong side of the bed, or something happened to get your attention before you get up, and oops, no, keep your eyes on Jesus. Is he your focus? Is he your hope? Is he the one you're looking to for all that you need tomorrow, and today, and the next day, and every day that he gives us? So hang on to that. Hope results from keeping our eyes on the Lord. Second, hope results from trusting in God's promise of provision. This gets better, so hang on, okay? Notice the second phrase of our text there in the verse. I will wait. I know it's hard, but it still says it. I will wait for the God of my salvation. When our hope is in the Lord... We can wait for him to provide as he promised. You say that again. That'll preach, by the way. When our hope is in the Lord, we can wait for him to provide as he promised. Insert any need, any trouble, any issue, any problem, any concern, any burden, any hurt, any loss, any person into that place of need. Insert the name of any church looking for their next pastor. Oh, That fits there too. Anything, no matter the need, no matter the trouble, no matter the issue, no matter the problem, no matter the concern, no matter the circumstance, no matter the pain, when our hope is in the Lord, we can wait for him to provide as he promised because he will. He always does. Now, he doesn't do it in my timing, but he does it in his timing. And by the way, his timing is perfect. I don't understand that. I just know it's true and it's good. Now, one particular day, I don't know. I guess I was feeling, is there such a thing as Holy Spirit smart alecky? Preachers would try to say that. Probably not. I would just, but I, I had a moment. And I had one of our international pastors trying to find a place to meet. We have a lot of churches still looking for places to meet now. We have 45, 46 of our churches that host another church. But this one church hadn't found a location yet. And they had like 30 to 40 people meeting in the pastor's apartment. I know his wife couldn't have been happy with that. Okay. So we're meeting and he said indignantly, why doesn't God give us a place to meet? And that's when my Holy Spirit smart alecky side kicked in. And I just did this. I said, Pastor, you have a calendar on your phone? Yes, sir. Do you have God's calendar on your phone? No. Well, I was wondering because I thought you knew when he was going to do what he was going to do. Yes, I said it. Things got really quiet for a moment. And then he realized he was trying to tell God how to do his work. And by the way, that usually doesn't go well. You know, it doesn't. Folks, we can, we, when our hope's in the Lord, we can wait. 
for him to provide as he promised. This is a secret of hope that millions of Christians have experienced over the last 2,000 years. I know, I'm with you. The challenge is in the waiting. That's why patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. By the way, never pray for patience. You know how to do that, right? You pray for patience, God's going to give you an opportunity to learn patience. And that can be painful, okay? You're going to have plenty already, okay? To just let him provide that patience as he blesses you with it. F.B. Meyer, another one of those famous English pastors, contemporary of D.L. Moody, put it this way. He said, God has his set times. Hang on to this now. He said, it's not for us to know them. Indeed, we cannot know them. We must wait for them. If God had told Abraham in Haran that he must wait all those years until he pressed that precious promised child to his bosom, his heart would have failed him. So in gracious love, the length of the weary years was hidden from Abraham. And only as they were nearly spent and there were only a few months to go to wait, God told Abraham, according to the time of life, Sarah shall have a son. And he was a hundred years old. I don't know about you, but if I heard when I was 100 that I was getting ready to have a baby with my wife of 94. (laughs) Hello. But they were excited. Well, Sarah laughed first, and then, boom, she got a baby coming on the way. And you ladies know what that's like, right? Now, if God had told you on the front end how long you would have to wait to find the fulfillment of your desire or pleasure or dream or hope, you'd lose heart. That's why he doesn't tell us in advance. You'd grow weary in well-doing, like Galatians 6 tells us not to, okay? So would I. But he doesn't. He just says, wait. I keep my word. (laughs) I'm in no hurry. In the process of time, I'm developing you. Get this. God says, I'm developing you to be ready for my promise. When our hope is in the Lord, we can wait for him to provide as he promised. And I think about Micah watching his people being destroyed, overwhelmed by other armies, taken into captivity, etc., etc. And he's hanging on to that hope one day as I wait for the Lord. And maybe it'd be his children would see it. God will deliver. When our hope is in the Lord, we can wait for him to provide as he promised. I know this is a hard one. I'm with you, okay? But it's still true. So the question is, for each of us, is your hope in the Lord today? Are we really depending on him? We need to answer that question well in order to live at peace and in his hope. You know, it's interesting. I think back to older saints I've known through the years, from my home church especially. They're all in heaven now. They all know the fulfillment of the promise. They all have seen their hope completely 
fulfilled. Not just in these circumstances on earth, but for all eternity. Get a glimpse of that now, okay? This isn't just hope for next week. This is hope for eternity, church. All the precious folks from Hopewell that used to be here and now are in heaven, uh, they're not worrying when God's going to bless them next. They're living in the presence of him and the presence of his perfect blessing nature. But as I'm thinking about folks in my home church, I got distracted because it's amazing. But in their lives, especially some that struggled financially, some that didn't have a lot, including some of our family, struggle you know, with basic needs sometimes. Sometimes. And yet I... I remember walking into those old living rooms with worn floors and faded wallpaper. And they were as happy as could be. And I feel ashamed. Because I've got so much more. Good, my parents. Goodness. Now they're both in heaven. They don't care anymore. Okay, they're fine. But this side of heaven, folks, I, I, I just, I'll make it personal. I get so selfish and impatient. I wonder how many of God's blessings do I miss because of my attitude. As you know, he does that. If we're not paying attention, if we're not hoping in him, okay, I'll bless somebody else with that. Mm, mm, mm. Hope in the Lord, church. He is able to provide if we just wait for his promise of provision to be fulfilled. All right, number three. Hope results from knowing that God hears our prayers. So I like that last phrase of that verse so much. My God will hear me. And we can add it on. My God will hear me and answer me because he does. But say that with me. My God will hear me. My God will hear me. Say it again. My God will hear me. You believe that? He will. He's watching to see what we believe. He's waiting to see if we're really to trust him that much. Yes, God hears and answers our prayers as he works out his will in our lives day by day. We can live in genuine hope when we actually believe that God answers, hears and answers our prayers. As I like to say in schools of prayer that I do with our churches, prayer is the starting place for life and ministry and prayer is the sustaining place for life and ministry. We've got to live in that connected relationship with the Lord. Many of us can personally testify that God has actively and amazingly answered our prayers many times over. I can, can you? Anybody? Anybody seen God answer prayer? Hello. So is he a weak God? No. No, he's almighty. And he loves us more than we can imagine. So if you're an active prayer, an intercessor in Jesus' name, thank you. Don't stop. But even for those of us that are active prayers, tomorrow's still coming. And we can have a discouraging moment tomorrow. 
and get distracted from what God wants. Who does that again? Satan does that. Get us off track. Uh-uh. Don't give in to him. Keep your focus on the one who said he would hear us. Our hope is real because we have been able to demonstrate that God hears and answers prayer. Now, if you're not one who prays regularly, I don't want to say this too harshly, but well, I'm going to quote somebody that says it harshly in a minute. But, but I mean, do we claim to be a Christian? If we're not talking to God about our issues, if we're not spending time with him? Now, if you're not a Christian, I understand. But if you are, then it's time to get with the program. Because God's waiting to hear us ask him. I, I, I really believe it. Spurgeon, we're going to quote Charles Spurgeon here in a minute. But Charles Spurgeon also said, everything, or no, not everything, anything that causes, actually I posted this on Facebook last week, anything that causes us to pray is a blessing. Think about that. Well, Bob, you just prayed about a guy having brain cancer. Yes, I did. And he would be the first to tell you it's a blessing. I know him. He's that kind of guy. You know? I mean, another thing, while we're talking, I'm just talking about a pet peeve. This, actually, I have to restrain myself when somebody says this. Once or twice a year, I hear it. Oh, Bob, you've got an open line to heaven. Would you pray for me? I'm going to. Come on. If you know Jesus, you have an open line to heaven. None of us have a market on that, okay? All of us can talk to God. All of us can do that in Jesus' name. So don't waste the privilege of prayer that God's given us in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the guy I'm quoting that can be harsh. Spurgeon also said, it's interesting how large a portion of Scripture is devoted to prayer. We scarcely open the Bible, he said, before we read, then men began to call on the name of the Lord in Genesis 4. And then just as we're about to close the book, we hear a, an earnest amen at the end of a prayer in Revelation 22. We have multitudes of commands and myriads of promises that teach us, still Spurgeon, that teach us the sacred importance and necessity of prayer. We may be certain that what God emphasized in his word, he intended to be conspicuous in our lives. He said much about prayer because he knows we have a great need of it. Hello. So deep are our needs, Spurgeon said, that until we're in heaven, we must never stop praying. A prayerless soul is a Christless soul. We pray because we believe God hears us. Hope results from knowing that God hears our prayers. Not because we decided to do something that sounds religious. How useless would that be? How hopeless would that be? Carl and I were on a mission trip to to, uh, Thailand, Venice, almost 20 years ago now. It's a prayer journey. We were joining with our IMB missionaries there to pray over Bangkok. Be careful if you do that. 17 million people that live there, not counting the millions that commute there for work, and under 2% are Christian. Okay? Millions upon millions of lost people trapped in the bondage of Buddhism, etc. Okay? And we were, one of the missionaries, on our free day, get it, now mark this down, okay? 
God has a sense of humor too, okay? On our free day, we're going to go to the palace there in Bangkok, the king's palace, and the emerald, the temple of the emerald Buddha. That's kind of funny because the emerald Buddha, actually, we're, I was expecting to see this, like this 80-foot tall emerald Buddha. He's that tall. <laughs> and twice a year, the king of Thailand, I'm serious, the king of Thailand comes in and changes his clothes. During the rainy season, he gets a rain jacket and a hat. I'm sorry. I'm being a little too smart to here. But still, that's what he does. And during the sunny season, he's got like a jacket on. You know, anyway. So we're going to go tour these beautiful places. Sad about the worship there, but beautiful places. And we get there, and people are everywhere. Still feel it. People were everywhere. And she went to see what was finding out, what was going on. Truth. Honest truth. We went to that temple on the, on the National Day of Prayer for Buddhists. Yes, they had those. There were thousands of Buddhists there praying on their faces. We go into the temple to see this little, you know, Emerald Buddha. The floor was covered with people on their faces before this idol. And there was just room for us to get in and stand on the back wall. Folks, we were doing some warfare praying in there. Actually, one of the things we all were praying was, God, right now, in Jesus' name, open their eyes to their idolatry. Now, we didn't see anybody jump up, but we believe, we know that God hears our prayers. I guarantee you, somebody went home that evening and said, did I just waste my day? Hello. Yes. But that was, it was dark. You could feel, in that city, you could feel the darkness. I mean, literally, spiritually, you could feel the darkness of sin and of evil. And that day was no exception. Folks, there are are billions of people around the world that are still practicing that kind of idolatry right now. And their God will not hear their prayers. I know it. They don't. But our God does. Our God does. We have access to the riches of God's resources if we'll just ask. Hmm. Could it be, one writer put it this way, could it be that heaven is filled with a room that will surprise us all when we see it? Room has large boxes neatly packaged and ready to go with our names on them with this note attached, never delivered to earth, because it was never requested from earth. Now that, there may not be a, an actual literal room like that, but there might as well be. How sad that sight would be. Why? Because God, as we've already said it, we'll say it again. God's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to Ephesians 3. And since our hope depends on it, let's ask. Hope results from knowing that God hears our prayers. If you believe it, let's practice prayer like never before, church. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear First Baptist Charlotte has a new pastor. Are we online? We're not? Okay. Well, it's still, it's dumb. They're, they're putting it online so we can say it. Rob Wilton is their new pastor. We met last, a couple weeks ago. Great guy. Glad he's there. So glad he's there. I was... I was just 
busting excited, okay, when I heard that they, he came first week of January, one of the first things he announced was, first 21 days of February, the church is being called together to fast and pray. Folks, fasting and praying is still a biblical discipline, okay? And the more we practice, the, I I'm not throwing words out here, this is true. The more we practice, the more we'll see God work. That's how he works. That's how he works. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. And Jesus assumed that we're going to. So, and I'm adding another spiritual discipline on the prayer here, but there's a point to it. What could God, what might God do if we really got serious with him? If we got so desperate that the only thing we could do was beg God to do something in our lives. Beg God to do something in our neighbor's lives. Beg for God to work to save our children or grandchildren. I know a lot of you already do that. But don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. As my old Church of God pastor friend that's in heaven now used to say, Bob, don't just pray. Pray through. That'll preach. (laughs) And he was Church of God, so he could really say it. Okay? Don't just pray, Bob. Pray through. Pray until you see God work through that situation to his glory. Uh. Still on prayer, we're going to wind down here in a moment. John Piper is the one who said, you'll never know what prayer is for until you learn that life is war. We started that way, we're going to end that way. Folks, life is a struggle. Every day has enough trouble of its own. A daily struggle. And we need hope to face a struggle. But in reality, prayer and hope is all an act of dependence. It's an act of dependence on the God who loves us, on the one who can do what we cannot do, on the eternal and loving Savior, sustainer, and sovereign that we owe all to in humble worship and surrender. Stanley Jones said, prayer is surrender. It's surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. He used this illustration. He said, if I throw out a boat hook, not a fishing hook, a boat hook, one of those big hooks you throw out to catch catch the shore. If I throw out a boat hook for my boat and catch a hold of the shore, think about this, and pull, do I pull the shore to me? Or do I pull myself to the shore? Pull ourselves to the shore. That's what it does. Unless you're really strong. <laughs> no. Not if you're really strong, can't Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but aligning my will to God's will. Pulling me alongside what he's doing so that we can watch him work. Hope results from keeping our eyes on the Lord. Hope results from trusting in God's promise of provision. Hope results from knowing that God hears our prayers. We have hope because we trust in Jesus. We've found the hope that we need. We've found the hope that we need. Will we share it with others? I don't know about you, but when I asked that question when I first wrote it, and then now I'm asking it today. When I asked that question, I've got faces popping into my mind. 
and need that hope. People I met in 40 plus years of pastoral ministry. Yeah, it has been that long. But close, close to 40, 38. Eh, 40. Plus, people we may meet today, a clerk at the grocery store. That's, that's one of my favorite connecting points because you've got like two minutes to see what's going on in somebody's life. So I like to throw out those weird questions, you know, and make them say, what do you say? What's God been doing around you lately? You ever see God do something in your life? Watch what somebody says that doesn't know a thing about who you are when you ask that kind of question. It's fun, really, because you're just, ex- you're just exposing your hope for the world to see. Sounds like a plan. Folks, the world's desperate for hope. Let's be deliverers of hope to one another. And to people who need to know who Jesus is, what he can do with a life yielded to him. Lord, that's our prayer today. We've said a lot of things today, Lord, but really it's all about you, who you are, what you're doing, how you're working, how we're waiting as you work, or the needs around us are so significant. Thank you, Lord, that nothing is too difficult for you. Thank you that we can come running to you today, Lord, with our burdens and needs. Lay them at your feet and know that you hear us. The God of all creation hears us. So, Lord, today, if we just need to pray as we conclude, as as we sing a hymn, If people need to come and just pray at this altar, Lord, and lay our needs before you today, so be it, Lord. Have your way. You're in charge here, Lord. We're not. So, Lord, show us your way today. Help us to hang on to our hope and share it with others. And, Lord, if there be anybody here today that doesn't know you, that doesn't really understand what we're talking about because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let today be the day that that person comes to know you as Savior and Lord. And we'll have a whole nother reason to celebrate our hope and our salvation in Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.